Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. I feel like the Lord has given me a message for today. I will finish this message tonight. And um, this evening, I will, I will finish what I feel like God has given me for this morning. It says, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. Let me paraphrase this. I stopped by this place just to get a night's sleep. But something happened while I was here. I didn't know this was the place where God dwelt. There's an old song that says, I went to church one night. My heart wasn't right, but something got a hold of me. Oh, y'all don't know that old song. You like all these new songs. Something got a hold of me. Yes, it did now. Something got a hold of me. Look at your neighbor and say, I went to church one night. My heart wasn't right. Oh, but something got a hold. You thought you was going to go to church and fall asleep. You thought you were going to go to church and just, it would look good on on, uh, your friend that's been begging you to come for a long time. But when you got there, something happened that changed your life. Amen. He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful, not in a negative connotation, but when I realized who was here, what is here in this place, he said, this is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. He said, I come to realize that when the spirit of the Lord was here, the presence of God was here, that it is the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. I like to preach from that portion of scripture about the house of God, the gate of heaven. Would you clap your hands and praise it? Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. This place was called Bethel. He called it Bethel. This place that was formerly known as Luz or L-U-Z became known as the house of God. Bethel means the house of God. It became a special place to Jacob. We reference it now as a church is what? The house of God. How many of you the church as the house of God? And why did this place become so special to him? I'm going to tell you why. Because when Jacob was um, older, not certainly in his younger, younger age, there was a moment in his life that his father was growing sick and his dad was in his older age, Isaac, about to die, his eyes are dimmed. But Rebekah, the mother of the twins, Esau being the firstborn, Jacob being the secondborn twin, when they were in the womb of Rebekah, she said, why is there a struggle within me? 
Matter of fact, in the King James Version, she said, why am I thus? What's going on in the struggle? And the Lord said, said, the younger is going to be the leader. The younger is going to be the ruler. The older will be subservient to the younger. It's not in Jewish custom that way. It was typically that the firstborn receives the blessing, receives the inheritance, receives the double portion. Two more than the rest. Abraham, Isaac should have been Esau. But it didn't go that way. It's going to be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When it came time for Isaac to hand the blessing down to Esau, he went out to get some venison. When he did, Rebekah said, oh, no, 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 no. Come here, Jacob. We got to make you feel like your brother. Esau was hairy. His name Esau meant hairy. He was born hairy all over like a hairy garment, the Bible says. I've tried to picture that many times. It never comes out good. They just named him Harry. They named Jacob, Jacob because when Esau come out of the womb, his hand was on his heels. If he's just saying, I want to be the firstborn. I want to be that receives the blessing of God. I want to be the one that receives the inheritance, inheritance of my grandfather Abraham, my father Isaac, and me. See, from the moment he was born, he was reaching for the things of God. You know what they did? They labeled him a deceiver. They labeled him Jacob or supplanter. He grows up with the desire to do right, but a label of doing wrong. Somewhere now his dad is old, he's dying, he's blind. He's gonna pass the blessing from his generation on to the next. Esau's out getting venison, he's hunting deer. When he's out, his mother says, "Uh uh-uh, I know what God said. The blessing is gonna be on you. You are gonna be the ruler. You're gonna be the one that's gonna have the blessing of Abraham on you. And so she clothes him with, puts puts on him goat's fur. You know you are a hairy guy. When you, the person's acting like you, has to have goat's fur to feel like the brother. He goes in with his squeaky voice and his hairy arms and hairy neck and presents to his father a goat instead of venison. And his father was deceived by him, but gave him and put on him the blessing of Abraham and what was on him on to Jacob. Esau returns out of the woods. Dad, I fixed your venison like you like. He said, it's too late. He said, I thought it was you, but it ended up your brother Jacob has received the blessing. Esau in his mind returns back to a day when he comes out of the woods and the, the birthright was with him. He should have received it, but he sold it to his brother for a bowl of soup. I'm telling this church tonight, this morning, that there is a destiny over your life. There is a promise over your life. We cannot give it up for some mere satisfaction of the flesh, some mere desire to satisfy the lust of your flesh. Your carnal mind will cause you to lose what God has in store for your soul. I say to every young person, don't settle just to be somebody that wins another level in a video game. Don't settle just to see how many girlfriends you can have. Ladies, how many boyfriends you can have. How many people you can please that are not like God. He said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his
his meditation, in his law doth he meditate day and night. I come to preach to this congregation. There's more to being saved than going to church. There's more to being saved than missing hell. There's more to being saved than going to heaven. God's got a plan for your life. What Esau didn't desire, Jacob wanted. What Esau didn't see as important, Jacob wanted. And this was the promise of Abraham. He's told Abraham back in the day, he said, I'm gonna bless you so much that the entire world, every family of the world is gonna be blessed because of you. My blessing is gonna come to you and through you and because of you. And it was Abraham that built an altar before the Lord at that place too. And he called it Bethel because God appeared to him and said, you're not gonna be like everybody else. I'm gonna bless the world because I'm gonna bless those that bless you and I'm gonna curse those that curse you. Isaac grew up his son knowing that he was a part of that blessing. Isaac, Isaac had his boys, Esau and Jacob, in the tent with Abraham. And Abraham would say, you're not like everybody else, boys. You know how grandpas like to tell stories? Set them up on this knee and one on this knee and say, we're not like everybody else. God appeared to me at Bethel. God at Bethel told me that he's gonna let a nation come out of us. There's gonna be a nation that's gonna be as the stars of heaven and the sands by the sea. There's gonna be a multitude of blessing and God gonna bless the earth because that blessing's gonna be upon you. Esau didn't care. When he got of age, he left the tent. He left the storytelling of Papa. He wouldn't care. He didn't desire what Abraham talked about being blessed of God. God's hand upon your life. I realize in every congregation, there are gonna be young people that are interested in it and there's gonna be young people that's gonna come and not be interested in it. Here just because mom and dad said they gotta go. Here just because they have to go. Listen, there's gotta get a moment in you. Says I'm not going to the tent of Abraham. I'm not going to the tabernacle of the house of God just to go. I'm going because I hear promises coming over my future. I'm here because God's got a plan for my life. I'm here because God's gonna do something with me. I'm not gonna live in regret. There's a purpose for my life. Somebody shout, there's a purpose for my life. I don't want church to be an obligation, a category of checking off of what I'm supposed to do. This has gotta be more than eternity. You gotta realize that God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for each and every one of us. Jacob wanted it. That's why Hebrews records. And it says it this way, Brother Kenneth. It says that Abraham dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Where was Esau? He's hanging out in the woods. Where was Esau? He's running around with his buddies. Anywhere but where he's supposed to be. He was separated by his own carnal flesh of desires. You get up in the morning, you know what? You ever heard of Pentecostals being called holy rollers? Listen, they still exist because they get up in the morning, have all intentions of going, but they hit snooze and they roll over. That's not holy rollers, amen. Instead of going to church, they listen. Oh, God wouldn't mind. I'm a little bit tired today. God, surely God would know. He gave me that car. I got to wash my car today. That car he gave me. Surely he'd let me skip out in the house of God because I got to wax the car. He wouldn't want my car to get rusty, you know, because that's a blessing of the Lord. And I'm going to skip out. Listen, we don't go to church because we're blessed. We go to church because we need to hear what his voice is saying. <laughs> 
We don't go to church because it's convenient. We don't go to church because we feel to or we feel good enough to. We go to church because surely the presence of the Lord is there. Surely the Spirit of God is there and I'm gonna be in the presence of God. Well, I've heard him preach that before. Honey, did you hear that? Didn't he tell that story last week? Didn't they sing that song three weeks ago? You know, when they sang it, I thought they sang it a few times too many. We could have got the Crocker Barrel and beat some of the churches down the road, but they sang that song to me. And Pastor, if it ended 15 minutes shorter, we could have really got there and had a good seat. But Pastor, my good Pastor, what's going on, Pastor? Used to be you didn't care about preaching an hour and an hour and a half. You'd have stayed because you wanted to know what God was. I'm going to tell you what COVID did to us. COVID brought a, a, a mediocrity to us. COVID surfaced uh, 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 it has shifted our culture to be a, a culture of convenience and not a culture of sacrifice. We go to work when we want to and we go to work when we don't want to. We don't go to work when we don't want to. We have, we have been given an excuse to not come. We have. It's the truth. It's, it's not just in the church. It's in American culture now. Because we realize we can work in our PJs and drink our coffee and listen to preaching and without any conviction can go on and have our own day the way we want it instead of the way God designed it. And we get up and we say, you need to be careful. You know, if you got, a, if you got symptoms, don't come and all that. But we can, we can get now to the slightest little bit of headache and use that excuse deep down in our heart. We know we're not sick. We know we don't have anything, but it's a convenient moment to lead us away from what God taught us to do. And, and if we're not careful that we will convenience our, we will, we will convenience ourselves out of God's plan and away from what God is saying. And all of a sudden church is just another option as well as work is just another option. They can't find employees to show up at work because of stimulus checks and it's, it's, it's more fun to stay at home and get paid by the government than to go to work and earn it. And you gotta be careful here because I'd rather stay home and God bless me to go to church and receive what God has for me. Can go to anywhere in the world Anywhere in the world that can't go to prayer meeting, can't go to prayer revival. I come to preach, Jacob, there's a blessing coming upon you and it's gonna impact your children. It's gonna impact your nation. Amen. There has never been an altar that was convenient. It's inconvenient, but it always brings the results and God chooses to meet us at a place of the altar. And I say to you, when it's zero degrees outside, it will affect the temperature on the inside, but we cannot let cultural norms, cultural conveniences change biblical mandates of what we're supposed to be. He called us to prayer. He called us to assemble ourselves for the word of the Lord. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Clap your hands and praise him. I'm here because I want to be. Abraham, tell me that story one more time. Tell me what's going to be in my future one more time. Tell me what God told you at Bethel. And Jacob heard about Bethel. Jacob heard about this place. Jacob heard about a place that Abraham had a walk with God, a promise from God, a, 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 a blessing of God. Those that bless you are going to be blessed. Those that curse you are going to be cursed. Hey, 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 what was that you told me? Now, 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 Grandpa, would you tell me that again? Well, son, once upon a time, <laughs> down there outside of Ai and Bethel, the Lord visited me. He's from the south. Amen. He, 
starts talking about the good. Tell me one more time. Tell me. Ron, you and I sit together and you always tell me. You said, if I've ever told you the story before, just tell me. If you started telling me the story again, I'd let you because I like it. Because there's wisdom. If you hang out with the wise, you become wise. What Finn Memory verse said. Hang out with fools, you'll be destroyed. You got to make up in your mind who you're going to listen to. You're going to listen to the things of Bethel or the things of Hollywood. You're going to listen to the things of the kingdom or the things of culture. Hold on a minute. I am sick and tired of atheists, agnostics, and perverts telling me what's going to happen in my country. This thing was built on the word of God. It's blessed by the presence of God. We need people to stand up and hear what thus saith the Lord. Listen. Listen, I know I sound authoritative right now, but you don't need some, you don't need some wimpy preacher in a pulpit telling you what makes you feel good and nothing happens. You need somebody who will stand for truth and let you know what God is saying in the hour. I told you Wednesday night, there was a powerful touch of God in this church Wednesday night. Weeping eyes, hardly a dry eye in the building, conviction of God. Spirit of prophecy came over me. This is what I said, and I'll say it again. If you consume yourself with media, your emotion is going to be fear. But if you listen to what the Spirit is saying, you're going to have faith, and your emotion is going to be joy. I go to a meeting, you're going to be seated. I went to a meeting Friday morning. Two senators, one congressman, and a House of Representatives. Leaders talking about what is happening in our community. Just up the road in Lincoln County, something called the CHIPS Act at D.C., it's an Intel plant that's going in. 3,000 jobs coming to Licking County. Could have went to New York. Could have went to North Carolina. But they chose Ohio because there's no earthquakes here. Average income is going to be 130,000. Lowest paid job there is going to be 80 grand. $80,000. You don't see that in the news very often. People don't talk about it. Let me tell you what you're going to see in the news. You're going to hear about this person that got shot unjustly. You're going to hear about a cop that got shot here. You're going to hear about how this, the Democrat is against the Republican, the Republicans against the Democrat, and nobody gets along, and there's racism all over the country, and that's all you're going to hear about is pockets of wrong. And that's what's going to be magnified from the loudest microphones of media there is. So you will think God's hand is not on us. I said it Wednesday, and I went to this meeting at the end. This is what, the, this is what these, these politicians said in the meeting from our area. They said, whatever you do, quit listening to CNN and Fox. They said, we don't even know where, where to get honest news nowadays. Apostolic people, Christian people, listen to me. You need to quit reposting stuff that you don't know if it's true or not. Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. The Bible says we are to be propagators of good news. And if we're not careful, we share some conspiracy article that you don't even have any concept knowledge about where it came from, the root of it, and at the end of most of it is division. But there are people working together right now Wanting to, God's wanting to bless Zanesville. He's wanting to bless Ohio. He's wanting to bless our young people. He's wanting to bless our children. Amen. At the end of the day, he wants to bless his church. May his favor 
be upon me to a thousand generations. Somebody got to stand up and say, we need to hear what God is doing. God's going to transform the landscape. God's going to do great things among us. But somebody's got to hear what the Spirit is saying in the church. Get up and go to work. Get up and go to church. Get up and read your Bible. Get up and pray. Get up and get a hold of God. Quit making excuses and do what God's called you to do. That's what he wants you to do. Hey, somebody shout amen. Now I feel the anointing of the Lord. I feel the boldness of God because the devil's trying to suppress us, lock us up in to say you have no influence. In Nehemiah, I told you today in your office, in the book of Nehemiah, when they were rebuilding the walls, Sanballat and Tobiah did not want Jerusalem to be blessed, did not want it to be revived or restored. So they hired false prophets. They hired false reporters to come in and speak. Fear to get them to stop doing what they're doing. Let me just put it this way. Prayer works. Going to church works. Reading your Bible works. Witnessing to your neighbor works. It works. But if he had listened to the false reporter, if he had listened to the false prophet, you know what he'd done? He said, everybody come off the walls and go hide in the, in the temple. Lock the door. Read it. It's in there. Quit building that wall because the enemy's coming. You're all going to die. He said, I perceive this is a false prophecy. He said, why would I come off the wall? I got a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. Why would I stop doing what God just told me to do? Listen, we got to understand what, this, what the house of God is for. We're not here to be culturally relevant. You are not, hey, listen, I'm not saying be ignorant either. I'm not saying you shouldn't know what's going on. Don't, mis, don't misrepresent what I'm saying. But I am saying that you, you can't, you know, Isaiah said, whose report will you believe? We got a prophet prophesying blessings and you got a news reporter saying doomsday. Fear settles on. And what fear, when what fear brings is unbelief. And when God appeared to Abram at, Abram at Bethel, he said, I'm going to bless you. Out of you is going to come a nation. Blessed, I'm going to curse this and curse you. He comes out of a Bethel experience with God. I realize my text is about Jacob. But I go back to Abram because he had a place that he called Bethel as well at the house of God. The Lord appeared there and said, I'm going to bless you and those that bless you, curse those that curse you. He comes out of that and there's a famine in the land. He gets scared. And he rushes down to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, his wife is so good looking at 75 that he said, he said, you're so good looking when they see you and they, we come into this strange land and the people that represent the king and know the king, when they see you, they're going to steal you. They're going to kill me, take you and give, him, give you to him to be his wife. I mean, she must have been a pretty lady. Sure enough, they get down there to see her. He said, whatever you do, just say, just say you're my sister because she was a half-sister. Why didn't he stand on the word? Why didn't he say, you just stay close to me because God said... I'm going to tell you why. Because even Abraham had clay feet. Even Abraham was human. 
And sometimes we get a word from the Lord and we expect everything after the word to be perfect. And we walk out of the prophecy expecting everything just to fall in alignment the way we think it's going to fall. But sometimes you come out of a prophecy and you come out and there's nothing but a famine. It looks like it's doomsday. There's no food. Nothing going to happen here. He rushes down. Then he's afraid he's going to be killed because of his wife. And, and the king, uh, Abimelech, takes his wife and then he's asleep. And the Lord comes in and says to Abimelech, you touch her, I'm going to kill you. That's Abraham's wife and there's blessing on her. My, I feel something in here. Some of you in the room are wondering how you're still here after bad decisions. It's because God's not done with what he said he's going to do in your life, even in your unbelief, your fear, and your mistake. My, I feel something. He said, don't you touch her. This is the womb of a nation. This is the womb of a prophecy. You're going to have hard times. You know what he did? Abraham, he's... The king came out and said, why didn't you tell me this is your wife? God was going to kill me over it. Was... He said, come on, honey, let's go back to Bethel. He gets his wife and they go back to Bethel. He gets to Bethel and tells God, I'm sorry that I doubted your word. I'm sorry that I didn't believe what you were saying you were going to do in my life. I'm sorry, God. I'm going to believe from this day forward and you're going to be with me. And God blessed him and called him his friend. Listen, your one mistake is not done. Even the word of the Lord came to Abraham the second time. Jacob grew up hearing this story. He heard how God said, I'm gonna bless you, your kid, and I'm gonna bless your children's children, even to a many nation. Jacob grew up saying, Dad, Papa, tell me that story again. Isaac, my dad, tell me what happened to Papa again. Tell me. He was interested in God's hand being on his life and on his future. And when he obeyed his mother to get what he's heard talked about his whole life, while Papa told him on his knee, son, the Lord gonna bless you. All of that. And his mother said, it's not going to your brother, it's going to you. He's never been interested in it anyhow, so it's gonna go to the ones that's hungry for it. Here's the prophecy over you. Go get it. And he does it, and guess what happens? Esau comes in and says, Dad, I'm here, here's the venison. He said, it's too late, your brother deceived me, got it. Felt like you, smelled like you, didn't sound like you, but I gave it to him. Bible says he sought for it bitterly with tears but couldn't find it. You know what happened? His anger turned toward his brother that's now blessed. Be careful to have anger toward people that are blessed by God. That dug out an altar and dug out a tabernacle and was faithful to God. Don't, don't, don't judge them because they're blessed. Are y'all with me right now? He got jealous. He was so infuriated that he was going to kill him. He was going to kill Jacob. And his mother gets word of him, goes to Isaac and said, we can't let Jacob, we can't let our son die. You gotta, we can't let him die. We got to let him go. And, uh, and so, so Isaac meets with him. He said, listen to me, son, the hand of God's upon you. Come here, come here. Come here, the hand of God's upon you. Sit, sit down right there. And, he, and, and he's blind. And he's telling him, he said, listen, you, 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 you can't marry a Canaanite. You can't marry somebody that doesn't believe in this. You can't marry somebody that, that despises the promises of God. You can't, but here's what I want you. I want you to go to Padanaram and I want you to go to your mother's brother's house. There's gonna be a wife there and you gotta get out of here because your brother's gonna kill you. That's why he tells him. He gets up and he flees. He gets up and goes and on his way, He's alone, 
He's trying to figure out what his wife might look like. Some of you in the building are trying to figure out what your spouse might look like. You're hoping it's good. Amen. Can't you cook? Praise God. You've been thinking about this, haven't you? That's why I'm using you today. Watch. Watch it now. Watch it now. He goes and he's on his journey. Sometimes you're not just going somewhere. You're actually leaving something. Jacob wasn't just going. He was actually leaving trouble. He was leaving chaos. In chapter 35, he says, I was in the midst of distress. I was distressed. And that's why I found what I found because of the distress in my life. And here he is. He's journeying, just making his way to Padanaram and the sun starts setting. He looks around. He says, you know what? Come on. I think, I think I'm going to stay here for the night. Can't travel the night because I don't really know how to travel. I, I don't have the light. I'll just, I'm going to stay here. Um, uh, lay, lay right here, uh, Jacob. And the Bible says he made, lay right there. He made a stone his pillow. I do. I want you to lay your head right there because that's what I picture. I have a hard time picturing this story because, you know, except I have been to a few hotels that I thought their pillows were stones. He lays his head there. You're in pretty bad shape when a stone's your pillow. He knew not that this was a special place. He knew not this place was going to be a place that was going to be forever changing in his life. He only showed up because he was tired and he had no light to give him direction to go any further. He's distressed, he's weary, and he has no light for direction. That's the only reason he's here. But somehow in the midst of distress, darkness, and no direction, he finds rest and falls asleep. While he was resting, he has a dream. And there's a ladder going from this spot. Close your eyes, you're dreaming. The ladder's going from here up into heaven in this place, at this spot. And angels are ascending and descending. Ministering place, a specific place. It seems like it is a door, an access point into the heavens. And when he lifts his eyes, the Bible says that the Lord himself appeared to him and he begins to speak to him and this is what he says. He says things like, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. Where you're at right now, Jacob, is going to be an epicenter. It's going to be a starting point for every victory that you're going to win and your children's children are going to win. What you can't see are giants are going to fall. Lions' mouths are going to be shut. Rivers are going to stop flowing. Red seas are going to start parting. You can't stop what I'm starting in you right here. Northward, southward, eastward, westward, my hand is going to be up on you.
Somebody say amen. And in thee and in thy seed, Jacob, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not, somebody shout, he will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked. He awaked out of sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. It was just a spot on the map. It was just seemingly the convenient place to stop by. It was a place that I just needed some rest from distress. I needed some direction to get that somehow I didn't know it when I fell asleep that this is the place where God dwells. I preach to you today in this room because you might have come by invitation. You might have walked into this meeting today because somebody said, oh, please come with me. You came here just because you were invited, but you knew not that at 1365, this place called the anchor is actually the house of God. That in this place, you're gonna find light for your darkness. You're gonna find direction for your chaos. You're gonna find strength for your soul. He was distressed and he found rest. Can I tell you, church shouldn't be a place of another category of obligation. It ought to be a place where we can find rest for the weary soul. That people can find direction, amen, for their life. Aren't you glad there's a place you can find direction for your life? (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know it's a church building. I realize, you can be seated. I realize that when you see a church, you say, oh, that's a, that's, that's a house of God. It's not the brick and mortar he's talking about. When he said, I perceived, when he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not, he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. There were no walls. There was not a ceiling. There was not a leaking roof. There was no walls. He was laying under the open sky. But there was something about this place that God was able to give dreams and give rest and give direction. I come to tell you, you might have walked in here out of family chaos. You might have walked in here right in the midst of a dark situation. But you don't have to leave here in chaos. You don't have to leave here broken. You don't have to leave here in distress. You can walk out of here knowing God's got my name. God knows where I'm at. You see, everybody had labeled him. From the moment he was born, it's deceiver, it's cheater, it's the guy you don't want to play cards with. Come on. Got a trick up his sleeve. Everybody else was, hey Esau, hey David, hey Moses, hey cheater. His name labeled his past. His name said he wasn't worthy, but it was in the house of God because people walk in this church week after week and they come in here and and people around them are David and Bethany and and Ruth and and Chelsea and and, uh, Bertha. That was my grandmother's name. But they sit in here today and the label over their head is addict. It's depressed. It's fearful. 
They come in here with a label over their head, ashamed, regretful, bitter. They come in here, and God shows up in his world and said, you've been wanting something better since you were born. I know what people have labeled you. I know you've made bad decisions, but listen to me. Out of you is great coming greatness. There's leadership in you. Out of you, out of you, there's going to be miracles. I'm going to bless the entire family of the world because of you. Follow after my ways. My hand is upon your life. And he wakes up. He says, I've got chaos in my family. But this is God bringing me hope. Listen, I'm talking about the church should be a place where there's hope. It ought to be where families can come back together. The family that's dying, the marriage that's dying, they come out and say, you know what? I think our family's gonna make it. I think the marriage can live. I think every life, come on, I'm preaching to you today. That's what the house of God is. You can sleep 12 hours a day and not get rest. You can go on five vacations this year have a nice cabin, go to the beach, go to the Swiss Alps, go on a cruise, float away from your problems and not rest because there's only one place you can find rest for your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy the soul. There's some things you can only get at Bethel. There's some things you can only get at the house of God. Hallelujah. You know what we ought to do? We ought to go on the biggest campaign we've ever done of bringing people to Bethel. Come on, just come to Bethel. What you need is at Bethel. Come on, there's light at Bethel. There's rest at Bethel. There's word of God at Bethel. There's direction at Bethel. He said, surely, come here and stand beside me. You can be seated. He said, surely, presence of the Lord. The Lord is in this place. I knew it not. But this is the house of God. It's not just the house of God. It's the gate. It's where I see for my life what God sees for my life. It's an access. It's where I can get from God what no man can give me. It's when doctors done everything they can do and God says, here it is. It's where miracles can happen. It's where forgiveness can be. Never been able to forgive what happened to you when you were seven. But somehow, in the house of God, the Lord hands you forgiveness and you're able to get over what you can never seemingly get through. Why? Bereavement. I was at my uncle's funeral. I was preaching his funeral. In that moment, there was some tension between some of the family members. And we have a large family. There's... There's, there's a bunch of 12 siblings. At back then, I mean, 31, when my grandmother died, 31 grandchildren, 34 great-grandchildren, and a lot of in-laws with that, and a big family. But there were some tensions, whatever. You could sort of feel it in the room. People hadn't seen each other in years, hadn't talked to each other in years. And my cousin gets up and sings, Jessica Bounce. She got, got up and sang, In the presence of Jehovah God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. And when she started singing, you felt the Lord come in that place. 
And when he did, it pushed bereavement out the door. It pushed offense out the door. It pushed stuff that would have held distance here before it was over with. This is what was going on in that place. You know why? Because any time the Spirit of the Lord is there, there's a liberty from the things trying to destroy you. Listen, if you make a mistake, don't you dare run from the house of God. You ought to run to the house of God. Don't you run from God. Run to God because that's where the answer is. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Everybody shout Bethel, the house of God, the place or the gate of heaven. I feel this today. I want everybody to stand and lift your hands and say, God, help me to see what you see. Help me to see what you see. I could go on. There's so many great points I could make after this, but God is wanting to reveal to you who you are and what he wants to do in your life. You are not a failure. You are not a mistake. You are not here by happenstance. God allowed you to come here because he's got something better for you. He's got a word for your life. I want somebody in this room to call on the name of the Lord. Come on, he's gonna change your name here. He's about to change your name. He's about to change your direction. You don't have to walk out of here a sinner. You don't have to walk out of here bound. You don't have to walk around here out of here bitter. He's gonna heal your broken heart. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Remain standing. Somebody say amen. There's a call of God in this room here right now. I feel conviction in this room right now. The devil's beat you up, robbed you, took everything he can from you, threatened you, but you're still here. And God said, I've got something better for you. How many believe God's got something better for us? God's got something better for us. God says it's going to be all right. That's what he said. Jacob, it's going to be all right. I've got you. And Jacob did something unique. He grabbed, he grabbed the stone. Pick it up. And he set it up on an altar. He built an altar, set it right there. Don't drop it, I'd be in trouble with the sound company, sound people. And then he takes oil. We're not going to do that. I remember one day when you're little, you'd have done it in a minute. I'm going to tell you right now when you're little. Isn't that right, Mom? Hey, he took oil and he poured over his altar. Because it's not good enough to go to Bethel and get a word from God. You've got to respond to it. You gotta respond. It's not good enough to hear the word. You gotta be a doer of the word. I'm gonna send you north, east, south, west. Somewhere you gotta start walking in it. See, the promises of the Lord, you're so young. Remember what I'm gonna tell you. 
because the Lord's going to bless you. The promise of the Lord are yea and amen. I'm glad you're here hearing me preach under the anointing of God. And I don't say that arrogantly, but the hand of the Lord is on me today. I have spoke with boldness. I have corrected, instructed today in this message and it wasn't even planned. I also, also preach what I have planned. But when the word comes and the promise of the Lord and God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to direct you. I'm going to give. You have to receive that by an amen. That's why the promises of the Lord are yea, that you've got to receive it. If he had walked away from that altar and not received it, it would not have been in effect until he would have received it. I don't care if it's your first time or your 10,000th time. Somewhere there's got to be an amen. I received that. And a response. And you get up from where you are and you say, I, I knew not that the Lord was in this place, but I do now. And so I'm going to build an altar. I could take you to my altar that I built at 16. And he takes, goes to the altar. He doesn't have much with him, but he must have had some oil. And he takes oil and he pours it because altars are where you receive, but altars are also where you give. You give God your life. You give God your passions. You lay down things that don't belong to you and Him anymore. I'm preaching to anybody. I mean, remember when you laid some things down at the altar and you poured yourself out. The song says, you don't know the oil, the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. He had to do something. If God's this good, I've got to pour something out. I'll, I'll go to the altar and call upon His name. And He take pour the oil out. He pours it over the stones and then he makes a vow. And this is what he says. Jacob vowed a vow in verse 20. Number one, y'all ready? He said, if God will be with me, look up in the heavens, if God will be with me. Number two, if he will keep me in this way that I go, if he'll protect me. Number three, will give me, give me bread to eat. Number four, and raiment to put on, clothe me. Go with me, protect me, feed me, clothe me. Number five, everybody hold up your hand so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the clothes. Thank you for the stuff. None of that's worth anything without peace. I got good news. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. You see, when you came to this place, you were distressed. You just humped over a little. You can't be taller than me. Hump down. You came here distressed. You sold drugs and you feel guilty about it. Fornicated and you feel bad about it. Did some people wrong including yourself. And you've labored yourself. Failure. No good. Never going to be. And you came to this place not knowing it was going to be transformational. But it was here in your mess that you found rest for your soul. And God speaks to you and says, I'm going to be with you. 
I'm going to lead you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to give you peace. I'm 43 years old. And there's nothing in my world right now more valuable than peace. Because if you don't have peace, you can't enjoy family time. You can't enjoy your paycheck. You don't have peace, you can't enjoy home. And he said, if you do that, he said, I'll return. You read it on. He said, I'll, I'll give you a tenth of everything you give me. Go back 28 years later. He's standing with a beautiful wife. He's got 11 sons and one on the way. He's got a daughter named Dinah. He's actually got two wives, but you can only have one. Amen. He's blessed. He's exiting with all kinds of herds of stuff that's going to be in his hands. And God said, are y'all ready? Get everything that's with you and go to Bethel 28 years later. Go get your family and take them to Bethel. Go to Bethel. Get your family at Bethel. Because everything you are and everything you have is because what happened to you with the word of the Lord at Bethel. Can I tell you? Can I say to every mommy, every daddy, get your kids and introduce them to Bethel. Because one of these days, Abraham's going to be gone. He's going to die. One of these days, he's going to be gone. One of these days, you're going to be gone. But they need to continue with what happened at Bethel. Abraham got his direction to Bethel. The grandkid got his direction to Bethel. The great grandkids, guess what they're going to get? They're going to find their calling and their... Can I tell you one thing that happened in Bethel I haven't mentioned yet? An experience with God. Church shouldn't be dead, dry, boring, just some sermonette. There ought to be heaven open up. You say, what's that I feel? It's God. I close today. When my buddies had somebody to come to his church, local physician in town, her son got in the youth group and got baptized and was coming to be baptized. She came to that church. And after church, the baptism, she walks up to the pastor and she says, I've got a question for you. He said, what is it? She said, I've dealt with anxiety for two years. She said, no counseling, no medication has been able to fix it and help it. She said, why was it when I pulled into the parking lot of your church, all of it left me? He said, because every single Saturday, the church, the saints of God meet here and they, they pray at the altar and they pray for people to be delivered from anxiety. I'm telling you, there's something about this place. There's something about this God can speak to the man of God. He can speak to the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, and the teacher. But somewhere you got to get out and go to that altar and build you an altar and say, here I am, God. I believe everything you've said is going to happen in my life. You're going to bless me. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. Hey, Jacob. I know you just came today, but you came because the Lord said you belong here. He's going to give you direction here. And the distress that you're feeling is going to leave you here. 
It's going to allow you and Esau to be friends again. Peace is going to come to the family. But right now, you've got to respond to the altar. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, out the anchor, the house of God, which is a gate of heaven, if you're here today, you say, I've got some distress in my life. I've got a Jacob name. I've got a name over me I don't want. I want you to raise your hand. Come on, be honest with me today. Be honest with me today. See, hands going up in the building. The Lord wants to change your direction. What you can't overcome yourself, God's going to help you to overcome. But He needs you to respond and talk to Him back and pray. Say, God, I know you can help me. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me where I've been. I need you to take my future. They're going to sing in the moment. We're going to respond to God's word. But it was here where God spoke to him and said, you're no longer going to be Jacob, but you're going to be Israel. And as a prince, you're going to have power with God and man. God is about to set you free. I want everybody to look at me. Everybody look at me. Quit calling unbelief humility. Quit calling unbelief humility. You say, what do you mean? I'm going to tell you what I mean. You believe God can do everything for everybody in the building except you. Well, I'm just humble. I, I'm not arrogant. I'm not, you know, why would he want to do this for me? I mean, that's, quit doing that. That is unbelief. Because he didn't die for some. He died for all. There's not a person in this room to walk in here and said, I'm worthy to be here. Everybody came in and said, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. But I can go to him because he said, do the well need a physician? Do the righteous need a savior? No. But I'm the sinner. I'm the sick. I'm the distressed. And I'm the broken. Quit saying, he can't touch me. He doesn't love, I'm telling you, he loves every single person in this building. Everybody. I said, Everybody you got to start walking in faith and say, that word's for me. Whether anybody else wants it, I'm going to go get it. I'm building an altar today that's going to change my family. It's going to impact my marriage. It's going to impact my grandkids. Come on, I'm telling you, that's what this house is about. You can change the landscape of your future by one prayer meeting with God. I wonder who in this building is going to step out of your seat and say, today it changes. I'm not living in grief any longer. I'm not living in bereavement any longer. I'm not living in fear any longer. I'm not living in insomnia. Any I'm going to find the rest of God. Surely the Lord is here. Come on, that's it. Young people, it ought to be a moment for you to step out and say, I'm going to find an all, I'm going to find a wife at the altar. I'm going to find a husband that knows what Bethel is. Today, my future changes. Because of Bethel, lions' mouths are going to be shut. Jericho walls are going to fall. That's right, because that's the descendants of Jacob. Red seas are going to part. Manna's going to fall. David's will kill Goliaths all because of a prayer meeting at Bethel. He's going to care for me.
Come on, your praying prayers is going to impact the next generation that comes out of you. Your kids are going to feel your prayer meeting. <laughs> Come on, something's happening in the building. Missionaries are going to be born because of your prayer. Nations are going to be impacted because of your prayer. Come on, it's not just a church. It's the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. Heaven is open here. I want everybody in the building to lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you to say, God has sent me here. Lord, here's my hands and here's my heart. Here's my hands. Here's my heart. I'm ready. I'm ready for transformation. I pray, God, a prayer of blessing over every marriage, over every family, over the mind and the health and the heart and the spirit. I pray, God, over every single person in this room to be blessed and healed. Those watching by way of the web, let your spirit move because of this place. Come on, God's just waiting on you to make a vow. And I promise you, He's going to walk with you, preserve you, protect you, and prosper you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Come on, all over the building, would you reach out to God? I want the will of God in my life. Hallelujah. It's no accident you're here right now. God's come to meet your need. He's come to speak to your distress. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.